and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a 27-year retired veteran of the NYPD, Detective Sergeant from Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And tonight, my co-host, straight out of Brooklyn, retired detective, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm excited to have a chat with Chaz. <laughs> you know, I am too. I mean, I, we're sort of veering off our um, usual... Uh, you know, our usual shows where we go into real crime stories. But I think he has such an amazing, amazing background. And I love, like, real, real New Yorkers that aren't imitation New Yorkers. And he's straight out of the Bronx. You know how I say you're straight out of Brooklyn? That's he's right. straight out of the D.A. Bronx. Chaz, <laughs> Chaz, welcome to the show. Great to have you oh, here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate that very much. You know, Chaz, one of the things that I know about you and it was very attractive to me was that I know you're such a huge supporter of the NYPD. And yes. we really appreciate that because, Absolutely. you know, in the last year, last year and a half, police have been bashed all over this nation. And when, uh, especially someone in showbiz backs the police, I you're, you're aces in my book. Well, I appreciate that. I was just the, uh, the grand marshal for the NYPD for the Columbus State Parade. Well, the NYPD, and uh, you know, it's a real, it was a really great honor. I loved it. Uh, you know, I, I know Commissioner Shea and, and all the chiefs there, and um, I mean, I, I don't get it. I really don't understand how you cannot support the police. I, 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 I don't understand it because without law and order, you have nothing. When I dial 911, you know, who's coming? <laughs> you know, somebody's coming to help me. God forbid I need help, you know. Right, so, you don't want to, you don't want a social worker. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, one of them, it's amazing. You know, they said they want a social worker with domestic violence. Look, I don't have to tell you guys. You guys are the pros. Domestic violence, uh, a domestic violent call is one of the most dangerous things to go. There you go. This man pays attention. I love it. I love <laughs> it. That's one of the most dangerous. That's worse than a, than a bank robbery almost. I that mean, was that was day one in the police academy for me. The first thing out of the instructor's mouth, we settled in. First thing he said, what do you guys think the most dangerous uh, call you can go on today? And everybody was throwing all these. The, the, number one, domestic violence, most likely to, uh, an officer to be injured. So you hit the nail right on the head, Chaz. Yeah, yeah because it's, a, it's passion. And they're not dealing with their senses. That uh, Drugs could be involved. Well, it, it's just a crime of passion. You know, years of being married, something went on, she cheated, he cheated, something happened. 
And you get in the middle of that, boy. And the problem with that is once you get in the middle of it, all of a sudden she jumps on your back. To I, was, I was just going to say that, Chaz. I, how many times I've been hit by the wife? Oh, my <laughs> God. This, yeah, we need a new police commissioner. Chaz Palmateri is my vote. That's right. Uh, that's right. He understands yeah. it, boy. That's for sure. Imagine him yeah. showing up to the scene of a homicide with that hat. Holy shit. Yeah. He could, we'd think he was in the squad, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we deputize him on the scene, you know? That's yeah, great. No, I, I have a lot of respect for the NYPD. I, I fly the I fly the police flag on my property, uh, you know, with the American flag, of course. And uh, you know, I, I I feel for you guys. I, I don't understand it. You know, I, I, you have courage that I believe me. You know, you have to. People are like nine eleven when the you know when the buildings were burning. You know, you guys are running in. People running out. So how could you not have respect for people that do that? I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it either. You know, Chaz, one of the things that I want to bring up, because I think it's the most important, and we're not starry-eyed, you know, I, I really respect you as an actor and as a man. Oh, but what I, really, what I really respect is the values you bring to who you are. I mean, you grew up in a lower middle class family in the Bronx. Your dad was a bus driver. Your mom worked hard. And they taught you values that carried on with you to your life and that's who you are even today i think that's fantastic well I, I think that's important i think you know there's no manual how to be a a parent you know i mean the only manual you really get is really watching your father watching your mother i mean you, you have to realize as a parent whatever you do whatever you say is an is an image that your child will have i watched my father with his values i watched my mother with her values and I became what they are, you know, and my, thank God, my, you know, my children, uh, my wife and I, we put the values into our kids. That's how it comes down every generation. That's how you live a better society. You know, it's no secret that a lot of these, uh, a lot of criminals, a lot of people are all from 75% from broken homes, not just, not just black Americans, white Americans too. Broken homes breed crime. Really no, absolutely. Chaz, I don't know if you know Phil ran into your daughter today at Spumoni Gardens. I there. was just gonna talk about that. <laughs> I had the I had the honor and pleasure of running into your daughter and your lovely wife at Spumoni Gardens. They were filming Gravesend, and your daughter has a starring role. And yeah. when I heard that, I ran right over to Willie DeMeo because my relatives own Spumoni Gardens. I says, Willie, I says, you got to introduce me to his daughter. When, and he introduced me to your wife and daughter, and we took a few photos. And that was uh, your daughter right after a scene. She bit into a slice at during the scene, and she took the slice. It was so good, she took it with her. You know, yeah, Phil, this is the second free commercial we gave for Spumoni Gardens. I just want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very proud of her. You know, she, uh, she attends the University of Michigan, but... Uh, the, the theater school there, the musical theater school. They only took 11 girls in the whole country, and she was one of them. So, uh, And then she just took off for a week to come in and film this. I'm very proud of her. That's fantastic. You should be. You should be. Wonderful family. And uh, I have two great kids. I have an incredible, talented son. My son, Dante, graduated Berkeley in Boston, okay. right in Boston. And he's a you know, great actor, singer, songwriter. So, you know, knock on wood, we got good kids. Well, a lot of work, hard work goes into that because I have three daughters myself and I know oh. my wife and I put a lot of work into their uh, their educations and all of that. And my uh, my oldest daughter's in grad school now. My middle one's in uh, third year in uh, college out in Staten Island and Wagner. And my my uh, my young one, my youngest one is uh, 
um, a senior in high school. I think she's going to wind up taking numbers on 18th Avenue. I got to get her back. <laughs> on track a bit, but, uh, we're working on her. We're working on her. You, you, know, you know, Chaz, before tonight, I, you know, of course I saw Bronx Tale, the movie, which of course we, we'd have to talk about, but I didn't know that the one man show became before the movie. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was the other way around. No, and that's, no, that's no. An, that's an unbelievable story. You want to you want to tell a little bit about about that story? Yeah, well, what happened was I was uh, you know it's one of those stories that a lot of people know, but I'll I'll kind of condense it a little bit for you. But I'll tell you, uh, what happened was I was in uh, L.A. and as soon as I, I went to L.A. in 1986, I went to L.A. in 1986 and I got on. I started hitting it. I got on uh, Hill Street Blues. If you remember that show, yeah. And, uh, and and Madlock with a, and, and another show called Dallas. So I was banging like a lot of guest star roles, and I was able to save some money. But as any actor happens, you know, you start running out of money. I used that money to last for about a couple of years, then I started running out of money again. So then I got a job as a doorman because I used to bounce, you know, in New York at certain clubs. And uh, I got a job at this really swanky place, and it was great. You know, I started supplement my income with that auditioning. And then one night I was out there and there was a very big party, a fancy party. And this one guy come walking over to me and he grabbed the rope and he yelled at me, I'm, I'm late for my party, let me in. And he was really abusive to me. And I said, I'm sorry, you just got to give me your name first. And he said, do you know who I am? So now when a guy says that to me, when a person says, do you know who I am? That tells me that you're an asshole right away. Yeah, hundred percent. You know how many times as cops we've heard that shit? I'm sure. <laughs> cops hear that all the time. So when he said that to me, I said, yeah, I know who you are. You're not, you're the guy who's not getting in tonight. So that <laughs> really pissed him off. So he said, you're going to be fired in 15 minutes. So he, uh, he started making a big fuss. The only came out. And who was the guy? It was Swifty Lazar. Now, Swifty Lazar was the biggest agent in the world at the time. And just like he said, I got fired in 15 minutes, just like he said. And I, I went home. <laughs> I said, what the hell am I going to do? I had no money, but... I sat down and I said, you know what? I looked on the, on the refrigerator. I had this card that my father gave me when I was a very young man. And it said, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to waste my life. If they won't give me a great part, I'll write one myself. I went to Thrifty Drugstore. I got five tabs of yellow paper, just like this, because I make my notes with this. And I came back and I said, what am I going to write about? And I started writing about this relationship I had with this wise guy and the killing that I saw when I was nine years old, almost 10 I was. And I saw each week, each day, each week I would write, and each week I would perform 10 minutes, five minutes, keep five, edit, edit, workshop it. And at the end of a year, I had 90 minutes of a one-man show that I did. This whole story, they called The Bronx Tale. I performed it, and bam, it was like insane. I was like, I won all these awards. The reviews were insane. And then about a month into it, I got a call from a studio. And they said, listen, you know, they want to offer me $250,000 for my story. Now, I, I had only $200 in the bank at the time. And $250,000 was a lot of money. But I said, you know, but I want to play Sonny and I want to write the screenplay. And they said, no, you, you know, you're a wonderful actor, but nobody knows you. You can't do it. So I said, well, then forget it. They said, you're going to walk away from this? I said, yeah. So I started doing the show again. About a month later, another studio came in and offered me 500000 I said, can I play Sonny? Can I write the screenplay? Again, they said, no, same thing. 
I went back to doing it. Everybody came to see it. Pacino came, Nicholson came, Ray Sharkey came, Burt Reynolds came, every studio head came, every big producer came, every big director came to see it. Everybody wanted it. The last time it was like this was the best is the law. So 20 years later, it happened with me. So finally, I said no again to the 500. And then finally, I, I did the show one night and I got off stage. And, and the stage manager walked over to me and said, Hey, Robert De Niro is in your dressing room. He just snuck in there after the show. He's waiting for you. I said, Robert De Niro? He goes, Yeah. I said, Okay. So I, I walked in and there was Bob sitting there. And he said to me, He said, That's the greatest one man show I ever saw. He goes, You did a movie on stage. And I said, Yeah, Bob, I, 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 I know. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He goes, You should play, Sonny. You'll be greatest, Sonny. You should write it because it's your life. And he goes, I'll play your father. I'll direct it. And if you shake my hand, that's the way it's going to be. I shook his hand, and that's what happened. That's a great story, man. That is You're fantastic. right. I mean, Sylvester Stallone did the same thing with Rocky a couple yeah. of years before you, right? Well, more than a couple of years, probably about 15. Wow. Yeah, yeah 15. Well, were you, were you nervous that no one was going to pick it up? Was I... What do you mean? No, I know I wasn't that. No, everybody wanted it. You don't understand, Bill. Everybody wanted it. I, I would walk into the bathroom in a restaurant in Hollywood, and a producer would chase me in there offering me a check for $750,000. And I said, no, talk to my agent. No, it was insanity. It was absolutely insanity. It was crazy. amazing. That you took know, that took big bullions to say no to seven fifty. That's right. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it was really people. How do you turn down a million? You know, and so I ended up. I ended up. Uh, oh, I didn't tell you that the last one was a million dollar offer, and I turned that down. Then after the million dollar offer, I turned down. Then the million came. So uh, people say, "How did you turn down a million dollars?" And I said, "Actually, the two hundred fifty thousand was the hardest because that was the first one." Yeah. After the first one, it, it just became numbers to me. It didn't mean anything, you know. When you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. That's 100% so, correct, man. Yeah, That's right. So, you know, Chaz, one of yeah. the things that the Bronx Tale has, and very few movies get this, it has an iconic line oh, that yeah. will never, ever be forgotten. And, you know, it's like Clint Eastwood, go ahead, right. punk, make my day. You know, yeah, yeah. Arnold with, hasta la vista, baby. I did security yeah. for Arnold Schwarzenegger in the city years ago. And people always say, I'll be back. You know, everyone's screaming out his lines, all the construction yeah. workers. But you have that amazing line, now you just can't leave. I just have merchandise that just came out. I don't have it yet. Dante, see if you can get that thing. Yeah, I just put my merchandise out, and it says on these great hoodies I have made, now you just can't leave with a broad tail in the back. and it's That's fantastic. People just love that line. It's my biggest seller. They love that line. <laughs> well, like, because, you know, it was the, the bikers were such evil pricks, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was like getting instant justice against them, you know? Yeah, but you, you know you know what I thought was so, like, great about that scene? That you were, you were going to give them the shot. Listen, guys, you know, maybe this ain't your place. You know, you better behave yourself. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they try to be wise asses. And right. they well, can't leave. Here it is right now. This is, uh, yeah, now you just can't leave. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tail on the back. Oh, That's excellent. Yeah. I got a whole bunch of merchandise, you know, uh, apparel. 
If anybody wants to get it, they can go to charlestomcherry.net and uh, you go to my store and you can pick it up. Anyway, I don't know. That's great. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> now, yeah. now let me let me ask you something though. Growing up in the Bronx, you witnessed a murder at the age of nine, and right. you didn't you didn't say anything. So right. now you were a stand up guy at the age of nine, you know. And but yeah. how about how about the wise guy culture that you saw in the Bronx? You knew enough not to get involved in that, but yet you had some respect for the wise guys. I'm sure they had respect for you. Yeah, I did have a lot of. I, well, I took to me that. To us, not just to me, to all my friends, they were they were like God, you know. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. My father was a bus driver, and I love my father. I love my mother. But these guys were so flashy. We we looked at them, but my father always said, you know, don't let that fool you. You know, they live horrible lives. You know, and I didn't know that at the time because all you see is the diamonds, the money, the girls, the booze, the respect that they have when they walk around. You know, so, but what made Bronx Tale so different, guys, and why it's been around so long and it's a classic, is that Sonny was telling me the same thing my father was telling me. Stay out of there, be careful of the neighbor, don't let these guys get in trouble, do the right thing. So that's what makes it strange. Goodfellas, one of the great movies of all time, they wanted the kid to be there. But yeah. in Bronx Tale, the father and Sonny said the same thing. It's just that who Sonny was bothered the father. The father said, you will be influenced by him no matter what you think or say. And he was right. I was influenced by him. But in the end, obviously, it worked out okay. You know, Chaz, we've interviewed uh, Sammy the Bull. And we got, yeah. you know, we, got, we got a little bit of shit from uh, other cops. Like, oh, why are you interviewing a murderer? He's a killer. And I was like, well, you know, I was in homicide for 10 years. That's what I did right. for the city of New York. I interviewed killers, you know, right. but they didn't like that. We sort of gave him a level plane and what were we going to do? Abuse the guy on our show. You know, do you believe my question to you is, do you believe in redemption that someone like him can now be a, a good guy? Uh, do I, uh, do I, do I believe in, in redemption as a whole? Yes. I think there are people who deserve a second chance. You know, uh, some people have to learn the harder way. I mean, after if I was him, after I just beat 19 murders, forget it. You would never see me again. <laughs> you know, forget it. Guys, say, hey, Chad, say it. Forget about it. <laughs> I mean, some of these guys don't learn. You, you just beat 19 murders, you beat a case like that, and then you get in trouble again? I mean, I don't. I mean, O.J. Simpson beats a double murder, and he gets in trouble again. I mean, you right. I mean, a, a classic example. If you really look at the Michael Francesi, you know, I mean, that guy, he, he's really, he's really rehabilitated. You know, I mean, he has really turned his life around, gave his life to Christ, and he tries to help you. And Sammy does too. Look, I'm not condoning what Sammy did, but look, he's trying to change his life. I hope he doesn't say that way. But, uh, yeah, I believe in redemption. I do. I, I really do. When we interviewed Sammy, the last question I asked him, I said, Sammy, one question. Young guys growing up in the neighborhood today, looking up to gangsters, mobsters, what 
do you have to say to them? What advice do you have to give to them? He said, you want to know my advice is? He goes, go fuck yourself. In plain English, he goes, I got <laughs> shot at. I almost got killed numerous right. times. I had all these problems. He goes, you want it? God bless you. Go get it. He goes, but if I could tell you one thing, go F yourself, he says. And and so he 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 showed me that, you know, he wanted to give out a little advice to young guys that are maybe uh, caught up in the, uh, you know, the fancy cars, like you said, the women, yeah. the money, the fancy clothes. So. No, look, it's it's not a good life. It's like it's not the Godfather. You know, you watch these movies like the Godfather, and you say, "Wow, you know, this is romanticized." And it's not the Godfather. It, it's it's horrible. I have most of them have horrible marriages. Their children, God knows what they're doing. You know, it's not a good life. I'm sorry, it's really not. You know, but sometimes because of the movies, you look at it and you go, "Oh, you know." Uh, gee, that's really great. What you want to be made? What What do you want to be made for? You want to be the boss? That puts it. You put a target on your back when you're. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know, I remember years ago. You guys are, are old enough to know. Remember Nicky Buns, the, the drug dealer. Yeah, Nicky yeah. yeah. As soon as I seen him on the cover of Time magazine, I looked at my father, and I, moved, and I said, "He's done. He's done." Yeah. And months later, boom, he was caught. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can't beat the government. There's well, you know, that's why they said, you know, Gotti wearing $1,500 suits and, yes. you know, shove it in the face of the feds. You're never going to beat the feds. They got unlimited money, you know. You guys, I used to say the law is the toughest mob in the world. That's, that's right. You know that's what I right. Mean? They won two world wars and they print their own money. It's over. Forget it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they they know how to bend the rules to get you when they can't get you. So when they can't get you, they bend the rules. That's right. That's what <laughs> they do. Listen, the clear case was with John Gotti. What they did, and again, like you said, cover Time magazine. It was just a matter of time before they put their sights on him, and uh, he yeah. uh, they, they well, got him. They you know? say, yeah. Once they say you're getting too big, that's it. Yeah. It's over. Yep. Over. Hey, someone threw us a ten dollar vig in the chat. Duty run. Thanks for the vig. <laughs> I don't want to get whacked. <laughs> he doesn't want to get whacked, so he's giving us ten bucks. Thank you. It costs a lot more than ten bucks not to get whacked. <laughs> Wait, ten dollars. Uh, no, he's a good guy. It's not even worth the ten dollars. Hey, when we were on Sammy's show, someone gave me five. He goes, "Do I get two fifty of that?" Yeah. <laughs> He still why, has his mind. Wise guys always thinking about getting paid. You know, I I watched some of the Michael Frenchay's interview with you. I didn't want to watch too much because I don't want to ask the same questions he asked sure. of you. But one of the things that I I sort of liked was that you and he believe in paying it back. That yeah. you want to give it back to people because you've had good fortune in this life. You worked very hard, but you've had good fortune. And I, I love that, that you want to pay it back and you carried around that card and you actually handed it to someone. It was the, this, the saying that your father said was, uh, say this thing is life yeah. is, is wasted talent. And yeah. you would hand that, those cards to people. And yeah. I think, I mean, that's tremendous, yeah. you know. And, and, you're, and you're an acting teacher also, which is fantastic because yeah, in I do, teaching. I do, I do two or three master classes a year. You know, at one-on-one down in the city, yeah. You know, Chaz, I promised uh, Cliff Moyland I would put his picture up on the screen since yeah. he introduced, and I'm going to put it on right now. Yeah. And that's my buddy Cliff Moyland, and he studies acting with Chaz uh, Palmateri. And yeah. if you don't recognize him, Cliff Moyland was the guy in Patriot Day who played Sergeant McClellan, who was the real-life sergeant that was shooting out with the Zarnayev brothers, and he had the great line to say, 
Welcome to Watertown, motherfucker. So yeah, I just want to, I just want to yeah. shout out to Cliff. You're a great man. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and let me tell you about it. He's he's really, really a wonderful, terrific actor. He's really terrific, and I, I liked him right away. Uh, he was a he was a gentleman. He was very respectful, and he was just there to do the to, to do the work. You know, he wants to be a really great actor, and he and he and he and he can be, and he's and he is. He's really terrific. And he cares about the craft, and that's what I liked about him the best. I can tell somebody who cares about the craft, or somebody yeah, I just didn't want to take my picture with him, you know. But he cares about the craft, and that's why I always liked him. And very respectful young man, I really liked him a lot. Thank you, because I just wanted to, uh, you know, he he sure. actually introduced you to us, and yes. I wanted to th I wanted to thank him for that. Yeah, and I, and I don't usually do that, but when he called and he said they're really good guys, uh, you know, I trust him. I go by instinct, you know. You know, I'm a street guy like you guys. I go by instinct. You can have the best contract in the world, and in the end, you can get fucked. You can have the worst contract in the world, and in the end, if the guy's a good guy, he'll make sure your rent is taken care of. So you got to go by people, not by, you know, contracts sometimes. You know? That's 100%. great advice. Great advice. You know, Chaz, I got to meet one of your good friends today, too, Sandy Blue Eyes. What sure. a guy. I watched the podcast with him. Oh my God, what a character with the grass. And, oh my That's God, I love him. I love him. This is a character. Of yes. Characters. I, I'm going, you know, I should say, I have to put you on my podcast. I Absolutely. have to put you on TikTok because people do not, but this is him. This is not a joke. Right. You know, right. It's a beautiful sunny day. He's saying, it will, he's at my home. He worked, you know, we're having a barbecue. He goes, I, I got to go drive back to Long Island. I go, but that's an hour and a half drive. Why are you going to go back to Long Island? I got to cut my grass. <laughs> he goes, no, I cut my grass every two and a half days. Yeah. Every two and a half days? Yeah, you got to see my grass. It's like a rug. I go, Sandy, what? No, you don't understand. Uh, this way, that, that, uh, when you, if it's too long, the seas, they can't get in the water. I, I mean, this is legit, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Wait, the best is the mailman won't walk on his lawn. The guy that delivers oh. the mail got to walk well, around. He has, they, sign, they... he has a sign not only on the grass, he has a sign in the, in the post office. Right, Do right. Do walk on this man's grass? <laughs> that was great. You know what was funny? Like, we got there early this morning, and he was there. And throughout, like, half the day, everybody's saying, who is this guy? Who is I'm saying, geez, I don't know, I don't know. Finally, Willie DeMeo introduced me to him. And I, I happened to say something about you. I brought you up. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, that's my best friend. He goes, I do security with him, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, I'm a retired cop. I says, oh, my God, I am too. I had the pin on it. So, oh, my God. So we started talking. And then I came home and I watched that podcast. I oh. was dying. I wish I knew. I'd watched it before. I would have really broke his chops, you know. You know, this guy, I mean, he buys 500 eggs every month. And he has egg whites every day. I mean, you can't, make, you can't make this shit up, man, with this yeah, guy. Yeah, he yeah. lives in 1960. Yeah. You see the way he dresses? Yes. He drives a 71 Cadillac, a 74 Nova. He, the, the, the Nova was on the set. They used it on the set. Today. Yeah. Uh, you know what? He's a super guy, a great guy. Uh, actually, he's a bodyguard. He's my bodyguard. When I do my yeah. Shows. But, you know, I always re I hire retired cops. My other guy, Bobby... Uh, Bobby Lanchops, he's another retired cop. And him and Sandy, I use both of them. And uh, 
I love, you know, I love police officers. They're, they're the best to hire because they know everything. You don't have to tell them anything. They say they see things 20 minutes before it happens. So, you know, they're just good to have, you know. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Chaz, I wanted to ask you, the, to me, The Godfather 1 and 2 were the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. I think they were just fantastic. They were. And everyone has a favorite line uh, from The Godfather. And my, I'll tell you what mine is before I tell you. I loved when Salazzo is in the restaurant with Michael and Captain uh, McCluskey, and he says, hey, uh, you don't mind if we speak Italian, do you? And he goes, go ahead. And I I don't know why I love that line, because I, if I was a cop, I said, fuck, you know, you don't know. You speak English. I want to know what the hell you're saying. But I just yeah. love that line. You don't mind if we speak Italian. And meanwhile, well, Michael Corleone couldn't really speak good Italian either, because he started speaking English well, halfway through it. You see, he had to say that. He had to say that. That was yeah. written by Mario Puzzo, because the reason why he wrote that the first thing you would say is, well, why would they why would they talk like that in front of the cop? Even if he is his bodyguard, they would never do that. Ever. Right. So right. by him saying that, they, they were able to keep the cop at the table so he can be they can shoot him. But if he <laughs> said you had to leave or stand by the bar, then it would have been the same. Now you gotta shoot two people in different locations. That's so right. as a director, that's the reason why they said that line. Well, I he, love that line. <laughs> he gave him the courtesy. Listen, we're going to speak Italian now. He told him that was to keep him at bay, I guess. He was interested in the veal. And, uh, yeah, he said that. I don't give a shit. Do what you right, want to do. Right, pay right. me. Best pay veal me. in the city. Yeah, try the veal. It's the best in the city. <laughs> How many times do people say that? Hey, try the veal. It's the best in the city. Oh. <laughs> on the job, when I was in the squad room, we used to say it every 10 minutes. I swear to God. <laughs> we would draw out lines from Godfather, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, all of that, you know. <laughs> And every time I'm walking down the street, somebody goes, hey, Chaz, throw him in the bathroom. Hey, Chaz, now you see yeah. right. <laughs> I got mushed. <laughs> I've been mushed when I get on a plane. Hey, Chaz, you could have been Ned Beatty, and they could come up behind you in the airport and go, wee, wee. Oh, Remember from God. Deliverance? I heard I heard he had to live that down his whole life, that role, you know? I know. I'm sure he did. Could you sure. imagine? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a, terrible. Sometimes, man, you get these lines, boy. They just... They stay. You know, how many times have people have said, you know, uh, you know, take the leave the gun, take the cannolis. That's right. That's another one. That's, That's another right. one. Yeah. That's a great line, you know. Paulie, Paulie, you won't see him around anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite lines. Yeah. You won't see him around anymore. You know, it's funny. Growing up, I was I was born in 60, and the French connection come out about 72. And I snuck into a movie theater with my friends, probably 73. We had to sneak into the theater because we weren't old enough. And I saw that movie. And from that minute on, I always wanted to be a cop. It really influenced me. It was filmed right in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, not far from where I was today by Spumoni Gardens. It was a, the whole car chase scene was all through uh, that area. And between my uncle being a cop when I was a kid, let me, you know, dry fire his gun and stuff. And and that movie, it was it for me. All I wanted to do was become a detective. And when you put your mind to something, you, you can really do it, you know. And uh, it yeah. just all worked out for me, you know. And listen, it worked out for both you guys. I mean, you really want to do something. Sometimes it's not what you really want to do. It's really what you have to do. You know, it's like, I have to do this. Like, I have to be an actor. There was no way out. I wanted to be a writer, an actor. This is what I wanted. 
I, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else in my life, you know. I really couldn't. And, uh, you know, God willing, it worked out okay. You know, Chaz, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. Philly's going to read this. Uh... Sure. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. That's 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Joe at jmurray-law.com. This is D from D's Designs. And uh, D, D wanted me to tell you guys, she's a court stenographer, not a court officer. And uh, she supports uh, the police. And she has a, a company called these designs. What better way to honor our first responders than a personalized Christmas ornament that will act as a reminder of their hard work and dedication. Each <laughs> ornament is a three by five inch wide and can be customized with a name, badge number, county, etc. There's also room on the back for an engraved personal message to your favorite first responder. Each ornament has a few different variations depending on your likes. Please contact us and let us help you create a very unique gift for you to give to your first responder. Please leave all details in the customization box for name, etc., on the front of the ornament. And if you like an inscription on the back, leave those details in the customization box as well. You will receive confirmation before anything is printed. D's-designs-107. by Shopify.com. And as you can see, D is real serious about this company, and uh, we welcome her to the police off-the-cuff real crime uh, family. Thank you so much, D. Where can you get a piece of high quality, you know, material handmade and, you know, at a reasonable price today. It really looks nice. And it's a great thing for, uh, for Christmas time coming. You know, Chaz, we have an expression uh, on the police department when a guy has like a really uh, good job and maybe doesn't deserve it. We say that guy's balls were dipped in butter. So we have that, we have that on some of our, uh, on some of our merchandise, you know, <laughs> and people are like, what does dipped in butter mean? And then that's what, you got you got to tell them about the other one. Polish my rack. Well, polish my rack is also um, we have that on some of our stuff too, and right. we have it uh, on some of our shirts and stuff. And really, what it meant was when I was a sergeant, a lot of detectives would come to you and try to talk to you condescendingly, like, "Hey, Sarge, you never did this, you never did that." And I would say, "Go get your gun cloth and your gun oil and go polish my rack. You know, my medals, my rack of medals." Right, so right. now that we make these shirts. Women are like, oh, I can't really wear that. Wear that in public. Polish my rack because yeah, it has right a different the front. Yeah, it has a different meaning altogether. You know. <laughs> I, I was always curious. What does it take for a regular cop? Do you have to take a test to be a detective, or it's really done on college? It, it, it's it's done on merit, but there's there's hooks too. Guys get into the detective bureau. Uh, from merit, you know, you go into plain clothes first, anti-crime, or you go into narcotics, and then you might go into robbery, and then you go into the detective bureau. But there's guys that get the gold shield 
for answering phones too. Unfortunately, there's a handful of those, but for the most part, it's a lot of, you know, if you're an active, you know, young guys come on a job. If you're active, you make a lot of college, you learn the job, you learn the ropes, and then you go into the bureau. And then there's, there's three, uh, there's three grades of detective in the NYPD. When you first get promoted, you're a third grade detective, then you're second grade detective. I retired as a second grader and then there's first grade. And, um, you know, it, it, to me, it, there's no better thing that I could have done with my life than become a detective. I'm very proud of that shield behind me. And we have a moniker that says we're the greatest detectives in the world. And I really believe that. Uh, I don't think there was any case that the NYPD couldn't solve. You know, uh, we really, there was some just tremendous, in my time on the job, I worked on a lot of high profile cases and uh, the talent that just you know, shine through from the from the old timers as well as the new guys. Uh, right. It was really great. I, I was taught by some really great old timers. There's just so did many. You know, did you know Detective Calandra? Uh, I I knew a Paulie. I'm actually distantly related to a Paulie Calandra. No, he was the chief. He was the chief of detectives, Chief Calandra. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I don't know if you oh, Calangelo, Calangelo, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he actually yeah. lived in Westchester. Yeah, I think yeah. he lived in Arsenal. Yeah, he was a tough guy. Yeah, he was a tough guy. Yeah, no, I remember him. You just Calandra. Calandra is one of the um. The guy we right one of the Jimmy Calandra is one of the uh, Avenue yeah. U boys, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Bath Avenue crew. Bath Avenue crew. Yeah. But Chief, Calan Chief Calangelo had a funny way about him. There was a, a, a female cop shot a guy, and the guy was in the hospital. He wasn't doing too good, and he wound up dying. But before he died, he came over to me and my partner because we were the first ones, and he put his arm around. He goes, come on, boys. Tell me what happened over here. You know, he was just like uh, he was like a regular guy, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no. did, did you, I, know, you know him, Chaz? No, I, I, Sandy Blue Eyes was his personal driver, so Sandy – Okay. Great stories about him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Bobby, my the other cop, he was in the TPF in the sixties. Oh, that's the real, uh, the real, the real heavy headers. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Now, Chaz, when you first started out, I know you started out in the actor's studio. Was that with Lee Strasberg? I first started out. No, first I started at working at the Lee Strasberg Institute. That wasn't with Lee. Then after years went on. I studied, I, I went into the active studio, and still, you don't get a chance to study with Lee until you got to study with some of the other guys. I studied with uh, uh, Ernie Martin, and then I got invited into Lee's class, finally. And now I'm what, a member of was, was that on Irving Place, the active studio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was. The yeah, you know, I used to ten. I used to ten bar at Pete's Tavern in in the yeah. uh, early eighties. Yeah, yeah. on eight. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of the students from Strasburg School yeah, would come in. Yeah, you know, Bill has got a. He wears a lot of hats. He's a retired NYPD sergeant from the Homicide Squad, but he's also a college professor. He's a stand-up comedian. Him and I met on a show called The Perfect Murder back in 2016. We were, uh, we had a friend of ours, Ricky Torelli, that was uh, executive producer of the show. And I never met Bill. You know, we were on the same job, but we never met. And uh, they had us come down. He had already did the show a few times. And uh, so I get there a little nervous, never acted before. I thought it was a joke that he was asking me to act. I, he was serious. Anyways, <laughs> I meet Billy and he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just do what we normally do. Next thing you know, 
uh, we went through the, the, that episode and I did a couple more episodes and it was, it was a lot of fun, but Billy's, uh, he's got a lot of talents, Billy's, uh, well, you know, Chaz, I, I dabbled a little bit in acting. I took like classes for like three years, but I, I never really got, you know, to the next level. But, uh, natural actors, man. Yeah. Natural. <laughs> it's funny yeah. because Willie DeMeo asked me to play an FBI agent in this move, this production he's doing. So I says, yeah, which, you know, whatever. So he goes, it's just going to be a flash. I said, Willie, please don't get upset with me. I said, I, I appreciate what you're asking me, but throwing handcuffs on a guy, it's not, you know, it's not really my thing to come down there and, and my, and, you know, to not waste my time, but to spend my time doing that. If it's something with lines, I could be a cop. I, that's what I did my whole career, my whole adult life, you know? So he's like, All right, I'm going to get you something with lines. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You want to talk? You want to be something? Yeah. Yeah. Some technical advising with him too. He had a couple of yeah. scenes where there was uh FBI agents outside of a sit down. They had to place bugs. So I did that with him too. That's interesting and stuff, but I got to tell you, the, the, I did three episodes of the perfect murder and the last day of shooting on the last one I did, we must've did 15, 20 scenes. And it, you know, it was really difficult at when we got to like the, almost to the end, I had a cheat sheet on the desk. We were doing an interview in a, in a, a squad office. And in one of the shots, the it was a very small room. The camera goes, no, no, you got to You got to get rid of that. Uh, we could see it. I was okay. I threw it on the floor as I'm done. So the director goes, what do you mean? I says, I went through all these scenes. I can't, I can't remember this no more. He goes, you know what? Don't worry about it. He tells the actor. He goes, you got it? The kid goes, yeah. The guy was playing my punt. He goes, you got it? Yeah. So now I start really, you know, I take the, the guy was supposedly killed his girlfriend. I take the picture. I stick it in his face. He knocks the picture out of my hand. Cut. The actor goes, well, the director goes, that was great. That was great. So we just went on like that ad lib and we threw, threw away the script and it turned out to be great, you know? But it's not a newfound respect for actors. It's not easy. It's difficult. Yeah. Even one or two sentences is difficult. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we got like 70, 80 pages of dialogue. It's hard. When you do a play, like a play. When I do my one man show, I have uh it's 90 pages of dialogue by myself. Wow. You know, it's a it's a run. Yeah, run. that's that's are, that's you, are you gonna do that show again, Chess? I'm doing it, yeah. I do it all where do you, where do you live? Where do you guys live? I, I live in Westchester. You live in Westchester, and you yeah. and you live, Bill. Where do you live? I'm where from Brooklyn, but I'm out in uh, Jersey now. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, my next this Saturday. It's funny you said that. This Saturday, I'm at uh, uh, I, I'm at Rollway, New Jersey, at the Big Performing Arts Center, and then Sunday, I'm at Richfield Playhouse, right here in Connecticut. Let wow. me know if you guys want to come. I'll, I'll hook you up. Seriously. That's so okay. cool. That's a great. I, I may if I if I come out of my acting show again, I may want to study with you. You know, maybe yeah, <laughs> take no, some yeah, acting I, classes. Yeah, I love teaching people, especially people that have natural talent. You guys, you guys are actors. Come on, <laughs> you guys are actors, man. You guys can do it. Really, well, just, what I anyone in the, Phil? So I just want as a cop. You know, it's just it came natural. You know. Phil, I just want to open up uh, the, for the, to the chat for anyone who might have a question. Anyone has a good question of uh, Chaz, put it in the chat. And as long as it's reasonable, I'll uh, I'll see if we'll answer it because we got a whole bunch of people uh, listening in the chat here. Oh, great. Yeah, so. Oh, someone named Rita Schaefer says, can we come too? I was uh, going to read that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure you can come. As long as you pay. It's like, yeah, you wow. just got to buy a ticket. You know, this isn't. Uh, 
this was uh, <laughs> offer to uh, you know I have some comps I give you you know if you wanted to come I'd be more than happy. You know, Chaz, who I who's another Westchester actor uh, is that uh, you probably know him, Dominic Lombardozzi. Oh, do I know him? I gave he's Dominic great, that guy. Break. He's great, man. I, you know, great. I gave him his first break, Rob Stell. No kidding. He's a sixteen-year-old kid played Nicky Zero. I slapped him all over the place in the in the movie. <laughs> I, he was great in The Wire. I thought he was fantastic yeah, in The Wire. That kid, Dominic had the smallest part of all those guys that were in the movie that we cast for my neighborhood. He had the smallest part and he made the most out of it because he has an incredible amount of discipline and he wanted to be really good and he uh, he worked really hard. And uh, you know what? He made his family proud, man. He is terrific. He's one hell of an actor. Yeah, yeah. And he was um the um, other Ray Donovan. He had a pretty good part in Ray yeah, Donovan. He was also yeah. in, uh, and the Irishman, he played Tony Salerno, Fat Tony Salerno. Yep. He's pretty versatile. He played a fireman recently in uh, a movie, uh, The King of Staten Island, too. That was yeah. out about a year ago. He, a friend of mine was in that work. I really like him a lot. And he, you know what? And he's a great guy. Great kid. I really We got Jimmy Calandra in the chat. He says, hey, guys, send my love to Chaz. He is great. He's a genius with this one-man show. Running scared. I loved him in that film. Dominic Lombardozzi is awesome, too. Thank you for your comments, Jimmy. We've had Jimmy on our show. Jimmy has his own podcast, too. Oh, uh, The Bath Avenue crew. And uh, I always say Avenue it wrong. Crew. Yeah. The, always, the, the Bath Avenue boys, right. You, you you guys, I, go restaurants. I got two restaurants, one in the city, Charles Palmateri's, one of the best Italian restaurants in the, in the city, 30 West 46th Street. And I, I just opened a new one on White Plains right here. You know, that's close to me. That's the one I'm going to go to. Yes, 264 Main Street. Absolutely. I came to your restaurant when it was on uh, First or Second, I think Second Avenue. Second you, Avenue. You, yeah, yeah, I came there. We met you that night. I was with all my cousins from Spaloni yeah. Gardens, and we met you that night. That was about uh, probably about five or six years ago, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Chaz, uh, uh, Sean from the chat says, what did you think of the Benny Saints of Newark? Yeah. That's well, the latest Sopranos film. The, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it, uh, I, I wasn't crazy about it. I, I thought it had, uh, uh, it, it was kind of disjointed. Um, I, I just didn't think it was, uh, you know, look, you know, the, the actors can only do what the script says, you know. I know some of those actors in there, and I know some of them. I've seen, them, I've seen other work that they did, and it was terrific. I, I just thought it missed its mark. I, I just didn't think it, it, it was that good. Yeah, you know, and and I'm surprised too. And I was really looking forward to it because Sopranos is one of my great, great things that I love. It's such a Sopranos is one of probably one of the top three television series uh, in history. You know, so I was really, really looking forward to it. Maybe I was expecting too much, but uh, you know what happens? It just I just thought it missed its mark. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what somebody said to me. They said, "Go see it. It's okay. Don't get your hopes up." So that's yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah, that's what that's. Well, you, the, know, look, you, can't, you know, you can't do everything. That's great. You know, you, sometimes it hits, sometimes it don't. You know, you, you you brought up the Sopranos. A lot of people tell me watch the series again. You'll enjoy it more the second time. That's how good yeah. it is. Yeah, I watched it the second time. It was absolutely yeah. terrific. Yeah, great writing. David Chase wrote a masterpiece. There. He really did. A, a real shame that Gandolfini passed away. He was a real yeah, talent. Yeah, he was real such shame. a nice man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
They don't make people like that. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I've never met an actor, and I'm doing this a long time. I never met an actor who actually took money out of his salary to give to the cast. I never saw that. That's amazing. I, 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 a million dollars. Wow. To give, and that's legit. I, to give everybody a raise because your company didn't want to do it. So he said, you take a million dollars out of my salary and give it to them. Wow. I never met anybody who did this. No. I, mean, I thought about doing it. I never did it. <laughs> that's a lot of moolah too. That's a big. Uh, you you ever see those guys' chest that fake to the pocket? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do a no, double I, pump to the pocket. They never get there. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, in the police department, there's plenty of those guys. Plenty. Yeah, no, a, They're known to be cheap cops. A, a hell of a guy, man. James yeah. is a hell of a man. He sure was. You, you know, Chaz. Some people, though. I mean, the guy who played uh, Maury in Goodfellas. Yeah. Uh, he was Ch Ch Chuck Lowe. He was a good friend of of, of mine. Yeah, and, uh, Chuck yeah. Yeah, and he, he was really not an actor. He was a multi-million dollar realtor. He owned oh, buildings yeah. in Tribeca. And he was but he was such a character that I think De Niro spotted him. Or he yeah. he owned De Niro's building. He owned uh, He owned De Niro's building, Chuck. Did yeah. That? And he was like, You'd be great. And he was great. He was so was good, great. but he was playing himself. Yeah, but, but that's the idea, you know, you gotta get guys that play them that can play themselves, which is not uh, you know easy. You know, when we did Bronx Steel, me, De Niro, and uh, Joe Pesci were the only actors in the movie. Everybody else was off the street, man. You know, but wow. the, the problem is you have to go through a lot of people before you find the right ones who can do it. You right. know, but it's hard to play yourself. It really is. You know? Well, Chaz, I, I say Phil is a, is a Joe Pesci lookalike. <laughs> he tells me that all the time. People in the chat tell me, Danilo. But listen, Maury was a lovable pain in the ass. That's how I describe But that's who him. he was in real life. Yeah, he I was know, a pain in the balls. A guy that'll break your balls, but you got to love him, you know? I mean, yeah, But he was, he was also brilliant. The guy was a yeah. brilliant man, you know? Yeah, a really smart. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. He definitely sure, played that part. Good. I think he started out like as an engineer, a nautical engineer, or something yeah. like that. You know. Yeah, and he was just, uh, just a funny guy. Yeah, he was. Very, very well. I like, he used to I like call him. me up and pretend he was like some chief, you know, and says, "Oh, you're wanted for a morals rap cannon," yeah. you know, like. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was. He was a nice guy. I liked him a lot. Uh, yeah, know, I did too. I did too. Hey, he lived till he was 90. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. his last few years, you know, he wasn't too lucid. But hey, I heard, hey, I heard he, built, he built his house in Mayopic. He just kept building and building and building because no one was supervising him. You know, at that point, he had dementia. Yeah. And he built like he built these houses like they were like, what are we going to do with these houses now? Because he had like a whole really? crew. Yeah. Wow. Wow. He had a whole crew that he was, you know, yeah, build wow. this, do that, do this, you know. I guess he had the fazul, so, you know. Yeah, he get, fuzzled, right? he yeah. definitely did. <laughs> Jazz, real quick. Now, I mean, I looked at your resume. Between TV and movies, it's just unbelievable. I, I would like to name a few of them. I mean, uh, Hill Street Blues, Matlock, Dallas, Wise Guy, Boss of Bosses, where you played Paul Castellano, Kojak, Rizzoli and Isles, Modern Family Shorty, which I love Modern Family. That was a great character. Blue Bloods, SVU. Kevin Can Wait, another great show. 
uh, uh, Godfather of Harlem, where you played Joe Banana, and uh, Law and Order Organized Crime up until recently. That's just yeah. TV. Of those things, and maybe doesn't uh, something I didn't mention in there. What was like your favorite? Like, what was your best project or the one you enjoyed the most? Were you have a favorite on any of those from TV? Uh, the television ones or the yes. movies? Oh, the TV. Television ones. Uh, wow. I, I don't know. I, I, I really just I enjoyed doing television. I enjoyed doing movies. I think my favorite of all of those was always Modern Family. I, uh, Modern it's Family. funny. I, 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 was, I, was, I was able to play against who I am. Because I love comedy, and I was able to play this guy. You didn't know if he was gay or not. Right, so, right. You know, I always play these heavy-duty characters. So, And I started in comedy. So I think my favorite was the working with Ed O'Neill and Sophia and all those people. I, I, I just love that show. I love doing it. It was fun. I, I heard some great things about Ed O'Neill from uh, yeah. Mikey Heinrichs is a detective. He was a very highly... A decorated detective in the NYPD. We've had him on the show, and he spent some time with him. Tell me what a great guy he is. So you and him had a chemistry, though. That's what I liked about that. Yeah. You know, it was really good, really good. Yeah, yeah we got a great chemistry. Uh, you know, Ed and I, and we, you know, he's a working class guy. So I grew up in a working class guy. You know, he, I think he was from Brockton. You know, so we really talked about wise guys, and we just had, I let me tell you something about Ed. That's a real tough guy, man. That's oh yeah, you could see it. You could say no, that's a legitimate, legitimate a black belt in Gracie Jiu Jitsu. He'll choke wow. you out in 10 seconds. This guy. Yeah. Heinrich, uh, uh, Mikey Heinrichs was saying that he goes, they, they wound up, they were at some function in LA and uh, it was a little boring. He goes, come on guys, you just want to go out? And they were like, yeah, let's go. And they went out bouncing and they had a really good time. And they said, he's just uh, oh, yeah, he's a not around guy. The best. I like Chaz, is it better to be feared or to be loved? Well, I always answer that question with, if your child's parliamentary, it's better to be loved. You know, Sammy always says the expression, he's a real tough guy, both with his hands and with a gun. Well, <laughs> you know what? Sammy's right to say that because some guys are, are tough with a gun, but they're not tough with their hands. Yeah, right. that's very, very true. I grew up in Gravesend, Sammy's neighborhood generally. Yeah. And I saw a lot of different things over the years. I saw a lot of wise guys and some wise guys were just, they were, they had the reputation, but then there were some real wise guys, old school wise guys. Like when I retired and I started hanging around in, in Spumoni Gardens, there was a retired wise guy there, Xbox. I, I became really close with the guy and the guy had heart. And what I mean by that is this, he did what he did. He, was into, he wasn't a killer or anything like that, gambling or whatever, but he was retired. And one night we were getting ready to leave the place and he left ahead of us and he saw a car outside that he thought they were going to hold the place up. He went around the block and he went to come back in. And his name was Angelo. I says, Ange, what are you doing? He goes, I ain't leaving. I said, what do you mean? He goes, that car over there, I don't like the way they look. He goes, uh, I'm not leaving until they leave. I'll leave with you guys. So a guy that, you know, he barely knew me a short time. He wouldn't leave because he thought I was going to, you know, we were going to get held up in the place. So that's guys with heart, old school now. He yeah, did what he did. Know. He had his life. Yeah. But, you know. I had my, my uncle. I called my uncle. He really wasn't my uncle, but he was like my uncle. And he was a... Uh, his name was uh, Manfro, Joey Manfro. And uh, he was a boxer. And this guy, I never seen anybody do this. We were in a place once, and the crowd was like all around us. It, it was a, God, what was it? The, fan, uh, the Fantasy East. It was a nightclub back then. And all of a sudden, this kid pulled out a gun, and he's waving it around. And he's cursing at this other guy that he's going to shoot. And this guy, Manfro, it was his 
he had a piece of this joint. You know, he didn't want to kill him in the joint, right? And the guy just, he's waving the gun like this. And my uncle walks over and Mike, he says, put the gun down. He says, he goes, you can't make me put down. And walks straight over to him, grabs a gun and slaps him. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, straight at him. Like, didn't yeah. even phase him with the gun. Just grab the gun and smack him. And I don't forget that. I just looked at everybody. We all looked at each other and said, whoa. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, this is the tough guy. This is that's tough. a tough guy. That's right. Yeah, that's that's what Sammy the Bull would describe as a tough guy. For that's sure. a tough guy. Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders. He says Chaz is cool and humble, and we love his hat too. That's why I'm, I added that in there. But he said uh, Lieutenant Pranzo's a uh, NYPD legend. He was a a three two lieutenant and a citywide anti crime. So. Wow. Yeah, he was he was a great you know, Chaz, we're at uh fifty-five minutes. We don't want to keep you over an hour. So we're gonna we're gonna start with our last um our last remarks. Phil, you got any last words? Well, I gotta tell you, I started out this day in Brooklyn at LB Spumoni Gardens. I got to meet your lovely daughter and your lovely wife, and I got to meet you. And yeah, there's the picture. It was great, uh reminiscent talking. Uh I'm very honored. Uh, thankful to have had this time with you, Chaz, and uh, hope to see you again. We're definitely going to come out to your restaurant, restaurant for sure. Absolutely, and, uh, All right. You have a standard invite. Anytime you want to come see the one-man show, please. Let me know. Thank you very much. Uh, I absolutely. really appreciate that. We will definitely right, try right. to take God you up. You know, Chaz, I just want to, again, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. And, and you know, Liz, we always sort of pride ourselves in this um, podcast of just being able to have a conversation with the guests. And I felt that that was especially true tonight. And yeah, uh, you, you guys are terrific. You're stand-up guys, man. My kind of people, you know? Thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you. that. That means it. a lot. And on behalf lot. of uh, Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories and my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, folks, thank you so much for listening tonight. And we really uh, want to thank Chaz Palminteri, great actor, great human being. Thanks for coming on the show, Chaz. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One episode, just ain't enough.